0: All right, folks, great to see you on this Wednesday night. Thank you for coming out. Let's all stand together. Grab your book now. Uh, Brother Ken's going to lead us. Let's all make a joyful noise. Brother Ken.
1: Amen. Blue songbook tonight, page number 325. Page 325, trust and obey. We'll do the first, second, and last verse tonight, page 325. and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but a smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sign or a tear, and a mind while we trust and obey. It's me.
0: Brother Ken, appreciate that. Uh, Appreciate you coming out tonight. We're going to open up in a word of prayer. We'll do our prayer request in just a few minutes. But let's pray together for our services tonight. Father, we come to you this evening in the name that is above every name, that precious name of Jesus, uh, the name at whose feet all others must bow. And, Lord, we're thankful that he knows us tonight. Lord, I pray your blessings upon our services this evening. We came for one reason tonight. To open up the precious Word of God, let it minister to our hearts and to our souls. And I pray that you would do that tonight as you feed us from your Word. Lord, as we go into prayer time in just a bit, Lord, may we share requests tonight that would draw us closer to you as we bear one another's burdens. Lord, we love you. Most of all, we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's have a song of fellowship, Brother Ken. Amen. Blue Songbook again, page 169. Come thy fount, we'll do the
1: first and last verse. Page 169, first and last verse. Come thy fount of every blessing To my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Calls for songs of his grace, teach me some, O sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above, praise of mountain i fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love, oh to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a feather Bind my wandering heart to thee For all to wander, Lord, I feel it For to leave the God I love Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it Seal it for thy courts above Amen, shake hands
0: Thank you so much, Preach. I love that song. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for singing that, Brother Ken. Let's take our quick prayer request tonight. Uh, If there are prayer requests that you want to share with us, continue to lift up Sister Lorene Whitlow, having recovered from her surgery, and of course, Sister Iris Nunley as well. We put those out last Saturday, but pray for both of those ladies, if you would. Requests that you would like to share, outspoken public requests tonight. Yes, ma'am, Miss Janie? Absolutely, and this is the one that you got to lead to the Lord. Is that right, Amen? Let me share this story with you quickly. Brother Ken had texted me a couple of weeks ago and asked us to be in prayer for cousin, right, your cousin uh, who has pancreatic cancer. I don't need to tell you that pancreatic cancer is often a death sentence, uh, and and she is pretty far advanced in her cancer. And then he uh, said, most of all, pray for her spiritually because she's not saved. Then uh, last week during the revival, he forwarded me a text from Janie that showed uh, where Janie got to lead her to the Lord last week. So praise the Lord. Amen. That's good stuff right there. Continue to pray for her. Tell us her name again, Janie. Cindy. Thank you so much. Pray for Cindy. Appreciate that. Someone else on my left tonight. Josh? Okay, praise the Lord. Absolutely. And for those who don't know who we're talking about, uh, Brother Bobby uh, Stanford, young little, he was little when he was at Amazing Grace, military, uh, and uh, served our country, is back home. So wonderful. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Somebody else on my left. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Matthew. We'll certainly do that. Continue to lift up Miss April as well as she's recuperating from her fall. Somebody, I I have to tell you this just to put a smile on your face. Uh, The other night, uh, Carl was, during revival, helping her get in, and then I was out when they were getting her out, and she was having trouble uh, standing, so he just picked the whole chair up, put her in, and I watched him look at her and say, it's a good thing you're thin, otherwise you'd just be out of luck. (laughs) Somebody else on my left tonight. Yes, sir, Brother Rufus. All right, absolutely, buddy. You bet. Yes, ma'am. You betcha. You betcha. Thank you so much. Anyone else on my left tonight spoken request? Yep. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. Anyone else? All right, in the middle tonight want to share an outspoken public request? Yes, sir. All right. Certainly. Brother Bix. Amen. Amen. Appreciate that, Brother Big. Somebody else in the middle. Yep. All right. Thank you, Brother Keith. So I saw some others. Yes, sir. Amen. Tell them you'll call them back. Whoever it was. Oh, was it you? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, Miss Sue. I thought it was Chester Wayne. I was picking on Chester Wayne. Your son's going to come up here and punch me out. Amen. Somebody (laughs) somebody else in the middle tonight want to share a public request. All right, over on my right tonight want to share. Son? Amen. Yep. He's being sued again. That's right. That's exactly right. The same, uh, the same Baker, who won his case in the Supreme Court, is now being sued again uh, out in Colorado. Crazy day we live in. Appreciate you mentioning that, son. Somebody else on my right. Yes, ma'am. Amen, Miss Irma. Appreciate that. Yes, ma'am. All right, remember him. Appreciate that, Michaela. Thank you. Somebody else, Miss Nadine. All right. Absolutely. Appreciate you mentioning that, Nadine. Thank you so much. Yes, sir, Brother Tim. for him and that family. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir, Cam? Absolutely. Wow. One of my passions in life is foster youth, candidly. Less than 2% of foster youth ever end up in gainful employment. Most of them never get out of poverty. It's a crisis situation in our country. Thanks, Cameron. Somebody else tonight, a public uh, prayer request. Yes, sir. Yep. Certainly. Certainly, certainly, certainly. Anyone else a public outspoken request tonight? Unspoken request. If you've got... Un- I'll see a lot of hands. I appreciate that. I'm going to ask the gentleman to make your way down tonight as we collect our Wednesday evening offering congregation. I'm going to ask you to turn to First Kings chapter 19 tonight. First Kings chapter 19. James, I'm going to ask you to pray over these requests this evening and the offering as well, paying special attention to the requests that folks ask. First Kings 19. James, please pray for us tonight, son. Father, we thank you uh, for the privilege that we have to once again come into the building that you've provided for us to worship the Word of God that you've preserved for us. Lord, we thank you that we know that we are heard because you've told us so. Lord, we thank you that we can come confidently, uh, knowing that our Savior has prepared the way. Father, we do a- ask you to touch all these requests. Lord, we think of this uh, l- lady, Father, who was in foster care and now has nothing. Father, we ask you to meet that need there. Father, we pray for uh, all the special requests that were mentioned. Father, you know them. And we pray that you would answer them, God, as you see fit. Father, we pray for the preaching of the word tonight. May you open our hearts and may we be receptive. And Father, we thank you, and it's through your Son we pray. Amen. you ladies. First Kings tonight, chapter number 19. We're going to give you tonight message number seven in the series that we've looked at all summer long about spiritual discouragement, overcoming depression, the battles that so many of us face as believers. Elijah has been our study during the summer, specifically his spiritual ascent his plateau, and then his spiritual descent into a very, very challenging place in his life. When we last visited the prophet a couple of weeks ago, he had, of course, had his incredible victory on Mount Carmel, where he literally prayed down fire from heaven. I'll remind you that this is at the end of a three-year drought where miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle Elijah has witnessed. Over and over and over, Elijah has seen God do incredible things. Then as C.T., so beautifully mentioned on Monday night, chapter number 19 opens with a confrontation between Elijah and Jezebel. Where Jezebel sends word to Elijah that just as Elijah did to the prophets, she's going to do to him. And as he correctly said, and I think I've mentioned it a couple of times now, it boggles my mind to think that the Elijah, who had seen God do all these incredible things, is now running scared from one woman named Jezebel. But I got to thinking about that, church, and I want to pause a moment and give you what is just simply my opinion on this. I'll say that again. This is not Bible. This is just my opinion. Think with me for a second. Three and a half years before Elijah, or excuse me, before 1 Kings 19 opens, Elijah has prayed for no rain, and miraculously, there's been no rain. Then God takes Elijah to the brook Cherith where he miraculously feeds Elijah with the ravens bringing food and the water that's miraculously there. Then Elijah continues his journey and he watches another miracle, resurrecting a child from the dead. And then at the end of the three and a half year drought, Elijah prays down fire from heaven. Would you amen that Elijah has witnessed incredible miracles one after the other? And now, just when he thinks that he might need God the most, when his life is threatened, maybe, just maybe, Elijah's spiritual depression is triggered by the fact uh, that when Jezebel says, Buddy, I'm going to kill you, God is silent. Maybe, just maybe, Elijah's spiritual descent into depression happens because he decides, listen now, that God doesn't answer the prayer in the way he wants it to happen. Got to be real careful with that, church, because oftentimes we think we know better than God. Oftentimes, we have decided that we've got the answer figured out. uh, And I will tell you candidly, I am as guilty of this as anybody in the room. Uh, I will run full steam ahead uh, because I want to do what God's not doing for me. So Elijah begins a spiritual descent. And in fact, when we last left him a couple of weeks ago, Elijah was truly in the pit of depression so bad that he's asking God to kill him. So bad that he's decided that his life is not worth living. You heard me say it twice. This will be the third time. I know he wasn't serious because if he wanted to die, he could have stayed where he was because Jezebel said you're going to kill him anyway. He ran for dozens of miles to get away from Jezebel. And to get into a place uh, where he is dangerously isolated himself. You heard me say three weeks ago, uh, that kind of isolation is dangerous where he has separated himself from those who he loves and loves him, Uh, that also is very dangerous. Uh, And now away from family, away from friends, away from anybody that can hold him accountable, he's even deposited his servant someplace else. He's by himself, and I'm saying this with complete respect, he's kind of wallowing in a moment of self-pity. Asking God to kill him. What I love so much about what we looked at three weeks ago was that God, in his miraculous and divine mercy, ministers to the minister. We serve a good God, church. You understand that God had no obligation at this point to do anything for Elijah. God has proven Elijah over and over and over. Proven himself to Elijah. But God miraculously, once again, gives Elijah some much needed rest, Provides him with physical nourishment over and over. uh, And ministers to him in yet a divine way one more time. So now that period of nourishment and refreshment is over. And at this point, Elijah needs to get back in the saddle. Elijah, it's time to start serving God once again. And that's where we're going to pick up with our narrative. Because what I want you to understand tonight is that we can all find ourselves uh, in those spiritually discouraging times in life. Every single person in this building, the preacher included, uh, can find himself or herself uh, in those spiritually despondent states uh, where it feels like it's us against the world. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. uh, It's just me. God will get us through it. And when he does, it's time to get back on the saddle. It's time to start serving him again. There's only two points to the message tonight. The first one is God delivers a message to the preacher. God delivers a very clear message to the preacher. Begin reading with me in verse number 10. The title of the message is back in the saddle. Verse number 10. Let's go. Actually, go back. Let's go back to verse eight. Let's go back to verse eight. He arose and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. He came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. We could stop there and say amen to that simple statement. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, this is Elijah responding to God, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Notice with me that when God begins to speak to Elijah again, when he begins now delivering what I'm calling the message to the preacher, he throws down, first of all, a very clear message challenge i'd like you to go and look at your bibles and if you underline it underline the last clause of verse number line if you write in your bibles because that question that god asks elijah is so important what doest thou here can i put it into modern 21st century Stanley Town language uh, elijah he says why are you in this place He is not asking where Elijah is. He knows where Elijah is. But what he wants Elijah to understand is that he's got no business in this cave wallowing in his own self-pity. And so he says, if I can paraphrase it, Elijah, what are you doing here? I didn't call you to be in a cave. I didn't save you to be in a cave. I didn't claim you to be in this predicament. What are you doing here? Why you're running, may I pause just a moment and say to you that when Elijah responds, he basically tells God what he thinks the problem is. <laughs> in fact, I think Elijah gets God's question. I think he understands what God's asking. And so he responds in verse number 10 by saying, I've been very jealous for you, Lord. In other words, I'm the only one that loves you, God. And they're all chasing me down. I'm the only one left that's serving you. I want you to pity me, God. That's what he's saying. Not being unkind, but I am being real. I wonder sometimes if God ever looks at us as his children and says the same thing. What are you doing here? What are you doing in this place Of self-pity. Please don't misunderstand. We all go through problems. I'm not minimizing any of it. But it is within our nature to wallow a little bit in self-pity. It is within our fleshly nature at times to dwell on how bad it is for us and how bad things are for us, forgetting the fact that God did not save us to go back into the muck and the mire that he saved us out of. So the challenge quickly gives way to a command. Again, look at verse 11 and write underline it if you're right in your Bibles. For in verse 11, the first phrase and he said the he there uh, is God. Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. Stand before the Lord. In other words, get out of the cave because you can't stand on the mountain for the Lord if you're in the cave. Get out of the cave. Go stand on the precipice, go stand right there on the edge, and put, listen now, put God front and center once again. The commandment that God gives Elijah is simple. He is, yes, pulling him out of the cave, but he's also saying to him, get me back front and center in your life. Let me pause just a moment and give you a very important application, probably the most important one in the entire message that we'll look at tonight. Keeping God front and center is a recipe for success. Would you agree? If that is true, then the opposite is also true. Uh, When we get God out of front and center of our lives, uh, that is a recipe for disaster. I can promise you, uh, as evidence of my life, uh, as evidence of people in this room, your life, uh, when we get God out of the center, uh, when we get him out of the front of our lives, uh, things tend to go real wrong real quick. Amen. So when God says to Elijah... Get to the edge of the cave. Stand before the Lord. He is saying to him, get back to the place, Elijah, where you're looking me dead on and what matters to me now matters to you. Oftentimes, when I have the opportunity to talk to people about various tragedies or situations that they're facing, children, family, work, job, whatever, I will often start with this question. How is your relationship with God? Do you understand, folks, that our relationship with God determines our relationship with everything else? Why? Because we're God's children. And if the vertical relationship is not right this way, nothing is right this way. So God tells Elijah, Elijah, front and center. Almost like he's saying, hey, soldier, tin hut. And Elijah steps out and does something rather incredible. Or I should say witnesses something rather incredible. Because the challenge goes to a command and now what is a clear confrontation. Look at the second part of verse 11. Notice what scripture says. Behold, the Lord passed by. Would you amen? God didn't have to do that. The Lord passed by and a great... And strong wind rent the mountains. That's a powerful wind. That means it tore the mountains asunder. And break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Notice the next clause, church. But the Lord was not in the wind. Keep reading. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. <laughs> but the Lord was not in the fire. Wow. We've gone from hurricane force winds, tearing the rocks apart, to the earthquake, to the fire. And I will remind you that Elijah standing on the edge of the cave the whole time. Can I be honest? If I'm Elijah, I want to run back inside the cave. I mean, if I'm being surrounded by all this rigmarole, I want to go in and hide and get as far away from that nonsense as I can. But Elijah's been re He's about to be re-upped for service. And in each of those instances, listen carefully, God is teaching Elijah a lesson. This is why I said a moment ago why I think Elijah may have ran. Listen now, Elijah had gotten used to God doing the gigantic. Elijah had grown very accustomed to God doing miracle after miracle after miracle. And it's always great. But we can't live there, folks. That's not reality. God needed to teach Elijah that miracles and the grandiose is wonderful but he also speaks in what we know to be and what God will call a still, small voice. Look at the next clause. Let's read it together. He's not in the fire. God's not in the wind. God's not in the earthquake. But we go now to verse number 13. So it was. Verse 12. The earthquake, after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the fire... A still, small voice. And it was so that Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? That leads me to believe that as each of these incidents has happened, if you read the, the words there carefully, that as each of these things happened, perhaps Elijah retreated just a little bit more backwards each time. The, the fire, the wind, the earthquake, and he goes back and he goes back. And God calls him out with a still, small voice. And Elijah literally wraps his face in the mantle. That means he does this. And I think that's probably twofold. Number one, he's scared to death of what he might see doesn't know what he's going to face, uh, but also humbling himself uh, in the presence and the sight of God. He wraps himself and steps out. And when he does that, God speaks to him. Oh, forget it. God speaks to him in a still small voice and interestingly asks him the very same question. Elijah... What are you doing here? I didn't call you. I didn't save you to be here. What are you doing here? Something struck me in preparing for this, frankly. Candidly, I'd never seen before. God is speaking in the present tense. What doest thou here? And on both instances, when Elijah responds, he responds in the past tense. He responds in what? has happened. Can I, can I tell you candidly that this is one of the biggest lessons for my own life? I'm going to be blunt. I love the big services. I love the big events. I love when they're shouting and praising, and I love the fire of God falling. But I have also been at this long enough to know that oftentimes God speaks to people in a still, small voice. I mean, I love it when the, when the town drunk walks the aisle and gets saved and everybody shouts hallelujah. But I also like it when the Holy Spirit speaks to somebody and in the back of their head they say, i got to get that right. Can I be honest with you? I've, I've been at this long enough to know that there are drops of the, mor- of, the mor- of the remarkable. There are drops of the miraculous. But there are thousands of still small voices that we never hear. By that I mean it's God's voice, but there are thousands of times when the still small voice of God works in ways that we publicly never see. That's as big as the remarkable church. That's as big as the, mar- as the remarkable. Keep reading with me because we go from the message to the preacher to the mending. Point number two, we're moving quickly. We're going to the mending of the preacher. Because after having asked the same question, what are, thou, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 14, Elijah repeats the same sad story. He said, I have been very, past tense, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, past tense, slain thy prophets with the sword, past tense, and I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I need to pause a moment and simply say that I'm giving you Gregology. At this point, I think God said, all right, that's enough. It's not in your King James Version. It's not in any other version. But in my mind, I think God said, that's enough. Why? Because he gives Elijah a three-fold plan to reengage him, to get him back in the saddle again. Would you amen me? There is never a time to quit on God. Amen. Sometimes our area of service have to be different than what they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. Sometimes our areas of influence shift and change. But there is never a time to quit on God. What does God do? Quickly. Three things. He gives him a new commission. He gives him a job to do. Read with me verse 15. Verse 15. Lord said unto him, Go. Go. Return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. I'll pause quickly and say that's one of the main functions of a prophet is to do the anointing business. So the first thing that God says, all right, Elijah, that's enough. You've spent enough time in the cave. You've spent enough time complaining. It's time to get back to business, to serving me, get back in the saddle. I need you to go to Syria, and I need you to do this. He gives him a job to do. And he continues that job in verse 16, Jehu the son of Nimshi. Shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel? Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abimelos, thou shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. Ooh, that's a big one. Shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. Again, if you underline in Scripture, underline that. That's huge. Because right now, Elijah keeps saying, There is nobody. I'm the only one left. God says, I got somebody else I need you to train. And then he says what I think is so incredibly vital shall come to pass. Him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. All the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, every mouth which hath not commissioned, hath not kissed him. When he commissioned him and gave him another job, can I be blunt? He shut down the whining. Because Elijah got stuck in this. There's nobody but me, God. I'm the only one. And on three different occasions now, We've heard Elijah say that to God. It's only me, God. God says, I got 7,000, buddy. Can 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 I just say a word to every young person who's gone back to school or who will go back to school, whether it's elementary school, middle school, high school, college, I can just about guarantee you that there is somebody who's waiting to step up and do something for God if they see someone else being willing to do it. I'm just convinced that there are believers out there who are looking for someone to be a spiritual Elijah and say, step out, and if you will, I'll step with you. The challenge we face is that so few people are willing to do the first step. And so we walk around thinking there's nobody out there in the public arena. There's nobody at school. There's nobody at work. And I'm convinced that there are plenty of people that if someone will just say, I'm for God. Somebody else will say, you know what, me too. Me too. Me too. Not only does God remind Elijah there's 7,000. He says, I've got another preacher. I need you to train. He gives him another commission. And then if you'll continue reading, we're nearly done. He also gives him another companion. Gives him another companion. So he departed, verse 19. And found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was ploughing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. He the twelfth, Elijah, passed by him, and he cast his mantle on him. I think we all understand what this means. There's all of this is rich with symbolism, and if we had time, we'd go into the depths of it. But I, I want to pause a moment and say that God told Elijah to meet three people. The king, the prophet, and he's got, he's got three people. It's no accident that the first one he comes across is Elisha. And as he comes across from Elisha, remember, God has already told him he's next. He's the next preacher. He's the one I need you to train. He's the one I need you to take under your wing. He's the one. And I don't think it's an accident. I'm just going to give you Gregology here. I don't think it's an accident that when Elijah meets Elisha, Elisha was busy doing something. Amen. He wasn't sitting at home downstairs doing nothing. He was out busy doing something, and that's what God saw amen. That's what God saw in him to begin with. And so when Elijah passed by Elisha, maybe he said, "Hey, brother, how are you? What's up? How things going? Maybe, but the scripture doesn't record it. only thing it says is he takes off his mantle and tosses it on. Mantle is a symbol of power. It was the symbol of the priesthood, if you will. Like we think of today as a preacher's shirt and tie or in some a, a, a clerical cloth uh, might symbolize a preacher. For, for in Elijah's day, that, that cloak, uh, that mantle would symbolize the fact that he was the preacher. And by throwing it on Elisha, he's saying, I'm giving to you the calling, the title, the anointing, if you will. Of God upon your life. Now let me pause a moment because Elisha's got a choice to make. Elisha can take it and accept it, or he can say, mm, I don't want that. I'm not interested in that. Notice what happens. Look with me, please. Verse number 20 Left his oxen ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother. In other words, tell them goodbye. Then I'll follow thee. He said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? Returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. And look at the last clause here, folks. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him do, you, do do you get the fact that elisha's first call was to go learn and to go take care of this preacher so that you can glean from him everything that you need a lot of you know this already elisha ended up praying for a double portion Elisha would spend time with Elijah and see all of the miracles that Elijah was doing and all the work of God in Elijah's life. And at the very end of Elijah's life, when Elijah's getting ready to be taken away, we'll look at it, he he says, I want a double portion of that. Let thy cloak fall on me. And you read the miracles of Elisha, and you'll find that they were double those of Elijah. Elijah was great, but Elisha, holy smokes. Can I tell you why I think Elisha was so used of God? Because he obeyed the voice of God when God said, go minister to that fella. And you study it out. He took care of Elijah while Elijah took care of God's will. Let me me just close tonight by reminding you of where we've come with Elijah. This part of the series is over. We're going to look at Elisha's transcendence into heaven. We're going to look during the fall at some of the miracles of Elisha. But the trajectory of Elijah has been like this, folks. Mountaintop. And he wallowed and wallowed. And God recommissioned him. Listen to what I'm about to say. Please get me. He never got back here, but God still used him here. Here's what I want you to walk away from tonight: our enemy. Boy, we had a great week. I had I had people coming to me Sunday and saying, "Preacher, the Lord's already. I mean, the, the enemy's already whooping me. The enemy's already tearing me up." I promise you, if you've not had a spiritual battle yet, hold on, your time's coming. I promise you, because whenever there's this. The enemy wants to absolutely slap us right off the top of it. Got to be careful. Because if we're not careful, we will get to the point like Elijah where we think we're supposed to live up here. We don't live up here, folks. These are the peaks. We got to go through another valley, another mountain, and another valley. And you know what that's called? Christian living. Christian living. The challenge comes when we're in the valley not to let it become our pit of depression, our pit of despair, and our pit of discouragement. Let's stand to our feet. What a trajectory with Elijah. What a, what a, what a moment we've seen with him. From the brink of death and shipwreck... All the way back to being used of God again. I'm going to dismiss this in prayer. But as always, we invite you to make your way to the altar if you'd like to. You can pray where you are. But I encourage you to join us in prayer tonight. Father, we are so thankful. We are so grateful for this few moments that we've had over this summer to study this life of Elijah. Elijah is in reality, God, like so many of us. So many of us. Mountaintop, valley, mountaintop, valley. Lord, it's when we're on the mountaintop of excitement and things are going well that the enemy swoops in to try to destroy and devour that which which you've blessed us. God, we find ourselves once again plummeting to spiritual valleys of depression, discouragement, and despondency. Lord, it's my desire that we'll be reminded that the voice of God is not always in the miraculous. It's oftentimes in the still small voice, which is just as remarkable as the mountaintop experience. Lord, I pray that we would all search our own hearts and answer that question. What doest thou here? What are we doing here? Lord, as over the next several weeks we begin to look at the ascension of Elisha and the, and Lord, the, the, the changing in the mantle to Elisha. Lord, help us to all be cognizant of the fact that we can be used wherever we are for willing to take a stand for God. Help us to be the one that will step out and be one of the 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. Whether it's in our school, our family, our place of business, wherever, help us to be counted for God. Thank you for a chance to study the Word, to open it, to let it feed us. Bless us this week. Bring us back Sunday. In Jesus name I pray amen you're dismissed tonight thank you for being here this evening.